You're listening to Leaders Last. Leaders Last. With your host, Dr. David Robertson. All right, all right. Welcome back to another edition of Leaders Last. I'm your host, Dr. David Robertson, an actual leaderologist hell-bent on helping people see the true impact of placing your leadership needs in the hands of people who don't know what they're talking about. (laughs) Anyway, welcome to the program. I appreciate your time. Today, we're going to discuss the cause and effect of nonsense. Well, sort of. But before I get into the main point, I have to share this with you. All right, so I saw this post on LinkedIn that said, consistency beats talent 99% of the time. Don't give up. So, yeah, I was drinking coffee when I read that. And let's just say that my screen got a bath that morning. I seriously thought it was a joke, but it turned out it wasn't. But the imagery in my head was a guy in a suit desperately and repeatedly trying to jam a square peg into a round hole. It was funny in my head. But I want you to think about that for a second. Consistency beats talent 99% of the time. First of all, that stat is ridiculous and entirely made up. If you were doing something wrong consistently, do you really think you should continue to do the things consistently wrong? But hey, you know what? Don't give up. Keep trying to do what hasn't worked thus far, right? Seems like really bad advice to me. And again, Terrible advice gets tons of praise. Hundreds of likes, hearts, celebrations, comments of appreciation. It's the blind leading the blind out there. Scary stuff. Well, I think talent is more than just 1% of success. Just saying. Pretty sure that talent is a substrate. Training is essential. Strong mentorship of someone who's been there before is probably important. Honing skills, developing skills, and mastery through repeating sound principles over time. Don't run the same play a hundred times. You're going to lose. The question that needs to be asked is, is what I'm doing the best way to do it? Or am I consistently trying to put the square peg in the round hole? Remember, kids, it's foolish to repeat ineffective actions. Or what's the quote often uh, misattributed to Einstein? Insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting a different result. Yeah, it's something like that. Be careful where you put your efforts. That said, I will say that consistency towards the goal is important. I think I've used this analogy before, but it's the football game. So do you consistently run the same play, or do you run 100 different plays consistently towards that goal? Of course, now you can think about how talent fits in there and what that talent has to do to be successful. All right, so on to the main point of today but also seemingly related to that anecdote. I was recently in a conversation about leadership, as I often find myself doing these days. The conversation had its usual twists and turns, and eventually the discussion turned to coaching. And of course, I discussed the importance of leadership education and how leadership development should probably be left in the hands of qualified professionals or leaderologists. Of course, the response that I got was typical. Right? It's great that there are certificates and degrees in leadership, but I don't want to discount firsthand knowledge and experience of those in leadership positions. Well, that is an interesting position and statement. The funny thing is, is that a lot of people feel this way, but that's really only because they don't understand what leaderology is all about. And unfortunately, it's a flawed perception based on conditioning. 
So since a lot of people probably think that, and since it's a very important topic that many haven't given much thought to, we're going to discuss it here today. Sure, an individual can have firsthand knowledge of their position in their industry, and they can have knowledge of what worked for them in that specific situation, which is great, no doubt. However, this does not qualify someone to uh, train and develop others in a broad scope like leadership, especially in other industries. Look, all that is is a living example of the Peter Principle. Just because you're good at your job doesn't mean that you're qualified to do someone else's job. The truth is that if you were in a leadership position for however many years, that experience is extremely narrow. Not that it matters. The assumption that being in a leadership position somehow means that you know anything about leadership is fundamentally flawed. Now, this isn't to say that experience isn't valuable. It most surely is. And you have to understand that leadership degrees are not meant to undermine or dismiss the practical knowledge and experience gained by those in leadership positions. However, and with that said, you should probably understand that leaderologists have a significant amount of research, experience, and, and evidence-based practices under their belts, which are used to formulate informed organizational and leadership guidance and in a variety of industries. And I've said it before, but the study of leadership is extremely diverse. Some call it interdisciplinary, which is true. But this ranges from things like organizational psychology, organizational architecture, influence and organizational dynamics, forecasting, communication tactics, influence techniques, strategic decision-making, and so much more. So you have to ask yourself, is someone in a leadership position without leadership-specific education going to have this interdisciplinary expertise enough that they're going to be able to coach anybody? Probably not in most cases. So are they truly qualified to teach anyone anything about leadership as a practice? Probably not. Anyway, I'll read you what I wrote to her. I told her, I said, imagine the shock of discovering that the person that you've been relying on for medical advice wasn't a physician and that their claim to expertise was spending years managing medical records. They may knew some of the jargon and somehow they believe that this experience qualifies them to practice medicine. In other words, without any formal medical education, they've taken it upon themselves to claim expertise, put up a sign, and offer medical services. I told her that the same situation is had in leadership because it's an unregulated industry, and that just because someone has held a management position for an extended period of time doesn't automatically make them a leadership professional or expert. I mean, again, management isn't leadership. And it most definitely doesn't mean that they should open up a shop trying to develop others. I said that leadership is a distinct science that requires specific knowledge, experience, and understanding, and that impersonating a leadership expert without genuine expertise in the field is not only disrespectful, but it can lead to severe consequences. Of course, the response that I got emphasized the same old worn-out retorts I typically get. The first one I got was that Comparing unqualified medical practice to unqualified leadership development was not appropriate because physicians have to deal with immediate and life-threatening situations and that leadership development is dealing with longer term and nobody's dying. Well, first of all, I disagree. I disagree. That's demonstrated ignorance on a couple different levels. 
So let's think about that, because I don't think most people fully appreciate the gravity or full scope of the situation. And first, I'll address the medical part, because it only furthers the point. Sure, it's true that physicians have to deal with stabilizing a patient in life-threatening situations. Well, I mean, some of them, anyway. But aren't chronic diseases, which are typically behavior-related diseases, aren't these an important consideration as well? I mean, I think so. And don't these behavior-related diseases take years to manifest? And isn't it alarming that the vast majority of physicians are not trained or qualified to deal with behavior-related disease? And isn't it also alarming that aside from medical mistakes made by physicians, the rest of the leading causes of death are attributed to the behavior-related diseases that the vast majority of physicians are not qualified to address? Yeah, chew on that one for a while. The point is that when we ignore qualifications, bad things happen, problems get worse, and then we get into a situation of symptom management instead of disease resolution. Well, the same is true in organizations. Only, it can be argued that a leaderologist has an even bigger problem on their hands because they have to be concerned with entire communities, not just an individual. I mean, think about it. Bad advice given to a leader can result in poor organizational decisions. Poor organizational decisions can lead to organizational decline or failure. Organizational decline or failure results in the loss of jobs, for many, or the closure of the organization. But it doesn't stop there, because a job loss impacts more than just that individual. It impacts careers, families, and communities, and potentially other organizations. And heck, if you really think about it, it can also destroy entire communities. I mean, just think about what happens when plants shut down. Look at Detroit. The point is that it creates financial hardships, a loss of health insurance, and creates career setbacks. But more importantly, studies have continually shown that losing a job can increase substance abuse, increase poor physical and mental health status, destroy marriages, and significantly increase the risk of suicide, and on and on and on. Not to mention the unemployment situation, which only further impacts the state, mental health issues, and so on and so forth. And then, of course, there's the stigma associated with it, which only further stresses the individual and increases the odds of terrible things. But that's what I mean. Leadership and its development are grossly underappreciated. I don't think most people fully appreciate the cause and effect of not knowing the specific leadership theories and tactics when they attempt to give out such advice. Well, let's just take forecasting, for example. And you have to understand that leaderologists are specifically trained in forecasting. But that's a general and ambiguous term. But let's say that you're going to build a warehouse. And let's say that you're trying to make a decision on whether you want it to be ground level or a raised concrete foundation. And let's say that the raised foundation will save you $100,000 on the onset, right? And the ground level decision will add to the initial cost, specifically around digging and parking lot related expenses associated with ensuring that trucks can back up. See, a lot of people are going to look at the initial cost savings and go with that. But a leaderologist is going to consider the cause and effect of the situation before making the call or advising the CEO on a preference. And granted, this is just an example, but I can think of two things right off the bat that most people aren't going to be thinking of. And they're going to cost a lot of money in the longer term, right? So like A, right? The pipes encased in the raised concrete. Well, if they go, so does that floor. That's costly. 
And you'll have to do that over and over and over again over the course of the, the life of the building. But let's think about B, right? Having a raised foundation increases the odds of having an uneven foundation. It adds to the weight, right? Raised foundation, you got more concrete, more weight. Well, when that weight settles, you end up with sinking or sloping floors. And this creates trip hazards and stability issues for everything in the warehouse. But it's actually more than that. Because when you consider people sitting down all day, right? So let's just take the office staff and let's say that the floor has settled, I don't know, unevenly. So you have a slightly uneven floor where a lot of people are sitting all day long. Well, then this is going to result in ambiguous back pain. So with everyone tripping, equipment instability, and people going to the doctor all the time, which raises insurance costs, by the way, it's actually significantly cheaper to go with the more expensive option. Point is, I don't think the public understands the risks associated with accepting bad advice from people who don't know what they're talking about. Look, someone in a management position, which is, again, not leadership, does not have the full scope or understanding to provide leadership development, let alone leadership advice or strategic decisions or forecasting or whatever else we want to talk about in this realm. At best, they might be able to provide advice based on a very narrow understanding based on their experience alone. But that doesn't mean that it's going to apply to the bulk of people or organizations. Look, leadership development is a complex process with numerous aspects to consider, and there isn't a one-size-fits-all approach. Not really. And this is critically important to understand when you consider the variety of organizational contexts that are going to come up during such development. And again, this is one of the biggest issues that I have with the all-or-nothing approaches to leadership or its development. It's highly irresponsible. You really have to consider the magnitude of the impact. So the responsibility of the person in charge of that development, that needs to be taken seriously. Of course, this means that the public needs to understand and appreciate the gravity of the situation, and those who are attempting to facilitate leadership development need to be qualified, or they need to get out of the business. It's crucial to have qualified professionals facilitating leadership development who, who truly understand the complexity and interplay of leadership theories, practices, and tactics. I'm telling you, if you rely solely on soft skill, traits, characteristics, and servant leadership, you won't have ideal outcomes. But similarly, true leadership theories, practices, and tactics are not learned by being in a management position for however many years, and they're also not learned in a week or two. And once again, management is not leadership. Now granted, while they're somewhat interconnected at times, we just have to understand that effective leadership requires a deeper understanding of human behavior, motivation, organizational dynamics, and so on. In fact, let me give you a fantastic analogy. Think of it like a car. You've driven a car the bulk of your life. Maybe you're a fantastic driver and you've never been in a wreck or you've never received a speeding ticket. In fact, let's say that you're such a good driver that your insurance company has given you an award. Congrats. Does that qualify you to be a commercial driver? Does it qualify you to be a race car driver? Does it qualify you to be a mechanic? Does it qualify you to be an automotive engineer? Well, probably not. So then how exactly does sitting in the driver's seat of an organization qualify someone to be the one responsible for organizational and leadership development other than knowing maybe who they need to call? I mean, look, do you think the head of Ford Motor Company 
Jim Farley, do you think he's a mechanical engineer or a race car driver? No. His background is in sales and marketing, and his degree is in management. You're not going to see him down on the factory floor turning wrenches, and you're sure not going to see him behind a computer trying to design the next model because he's smart enough to know what he's not. Now, an argument can be made that effective leadership or its development often comes from a combination of theoretical knowledge and real-world application, and that's true. And I recognize and value that both aspects can, can lead to a more well-rounded and capable leader. But I have to stress, if you've been doing it wrong for so many years, that's, that's not going to help. However, the part that I need to emphasize here is that this dynamic still requires the leadership knowledge part. And we're not talking about soft skills, traits, and characteristics. Guru nonsense. And when it comes to being able to provide development, that knowledge requires a lot more than just a couple of weeks of leadership training or a coaching certificate. And really... That's why I'm a part of the National Leaderology Association. Our whole goal is to raise awareness of these issues to help people understand that leadership is significantly more than soft skills, traits, and characteristics. And really, that ignoring this fact is dangerous for both you and your organization. Look, when you apply bad advice in your life, it becomes systemic. And let me say it like this. If leadership development is placed in the hands of people who don't know what they're talking about, you'll likely end up with blurred concepts, wasted money, and terrible outcomes. It's really that simple. And by the way, if you want better leadership information, you might check out the National Leaderology Association. There are a lot of great articles there written by actual leaderologists and, of course, leadership professionals. And as a matter of fact, I will, I'll leave a link to one of those articles in the description. Uh, this will be one of those articles that I think everyone should read. It's very much associated with the topic of today's podcast. So yeah, just be very careful about what you allow yourself to believe on this topic. I'm telling you, it's a lot bigger deal than most appreciate. I've seen the fallout of bad advice firsthand. I've seen it ruin lives, and I've seen it destroy organizations. And as a leaderologist, I can tell you that it is really hard to fix what has been completely destroyed by bad advice. Because the fix is a lot more than just telling someone the right way of doing things. Heck, just look at Flint, Michigan. I mean, you look at Flint, Michigan, you can see how bad advice can ruin lives or how ignoring good advice can ruin lives. The decision to switch the water supply was made by people who clearly didn't understand water chemicals, corrosion, or decay processes. And you know what? The true experts did weigh in, and they were ignored. There are numerous reports that actual water quality experts and engineers had raised concerns about the safety of the water supply switch, but their advice was allegedly ignored or dismissed. And that's what I'm talking about. Lives were ruined as a result, all based on advice, the, the ignoring of good advice and trying to save a few bucks here or there or make a few bucks or whatever it was. And it cost the city a heck of a lot more money than they could have ever hoped to have saved by switching in the first place. Think bigger. There's a lot riding on it. All right, friends, thank you so much for being a part of the program. Be sure to check out the description for that article and be sure to hit that like, share, and subscribe button. I would appreciate that. That does it for this one. Till next time, take care.